Righto, Friday morning, great to have you company. Marcus Paul in the morning around Australia. Uh, We're here only four days next week. Uh, Long weekend ahead of us. And don't forget, in a number of areas around the country, double demerit points are in place. So please take it easy if you are travelling over this long weekend. One of the main themes on the program in the last couple of weeks has been living expenses, and in particular, inflation. Now, we're told that inflation is ripping off Aussies as the cost of living hikes grocery bills by up to $1,400 a year on groceries. And even switching to generic brands, the so-called cheaper brands, won't save you. Supermarket prices have surged by at least 12% since last year, according to an investigation by News Limited. And that, as I say, has added around 1400 bucks to a typical family's annual grocery bill. The increases exposed by the investigation are far greater than those captured in the most recent official inflation data. And we know inflation is up 5.1%, and it's revealed for the first time the full extent of the financial pressure households are under in our supermarket aisles. While prices are soaring at every major supermarket chain and at all price points, arguably the most concerning finding is that some of the biggest jumps have been in the most basic options. Shoppers buying the cheapest groceries are paying as much as 17% extra to fill their baskets compared to last year. Supermarkets' mid-tier branded ranges are at least 14% pricier, and filling a trolley with the high-end brand names, has gone up by 12% plus. So, for budget labels, at Coles, they're up 17%. At Woolies, up 15%. Aldi are also up 17%. In your supermarket lines, Coles, up 15%. Woolies, 16%. And Aldi, 14%. And the well-known brands, or the top-tier brands, if you like, well, Coles, up 12%. Woolies, up 13%, and the IGA, the independent grocer, well, up an incredible 26%. The results indicate that supermarket prices are rising at more than twice the speed of the Australian Bureau of Statistics Consumer Price Index, which increased 5.1% nationally in the year to the end of March, as I mentioned. According to the ABS, Sydney's CPI only rose by 4.4%. Food and non-alcoholic drinks were up by even less than that. The average weekly supermarket bill for a New South Wales family of four, um, or more in fact, was $226 in 2021. That's last year, according to CanStar Blue. Now, the price comparison now suggests this has risen by about $27 a week and adds around $1,400 to the annual cost. Now, on top of this, many households' electricity bills will rise by at least $200 a year from next month. The price of petrol is, of course, up an incredible 70% on 12 months ago. And after the Reserve Bank announcement this week, monthly mortgage repayments on a half a million dollar mortgage have risen by $200 since April, with of course more increases on the way. Yet for many households, the number one source of budgeting pain is supermarket shopping, according to a survey by One Big Switch. 
One Big Switch's spokesman, Joel Gibson, said grocery bills are now causing families real grief. Supermarket comparison service, Frugal, and their CEO, Sean Smith, said producers were no longer able to absorb cost increases. The invasion of Ukraine sent fuel prices skyrocketing. Those two countries were also major producers of wheat and vegetable oils. Even the cost of the metal for cans is sought. Now, labour was still in short supply following lengthy border closures triggered by COVID-19, and key parts of China remained in lockdown. And of course, the cost of production at every level has gone up. Now, the results of this survey show that Coles and Woolworths are still charging around the same amount as each other, whether it be for budget lines, supermarket labels or well-known brands. But in the comparison, the independent grocers, that's IGA, was more expensive than its larger competitors. This was not the case when Choice undertook its survey, which was based on surveying a larger number of locations. Now, for their part, an IGA spokesman said, our stores overall are significantly more price competitive than a few years ago. Of course, as usual, for the cheapest groceries, Aldi prices still remain around 8% below the bigger chains. For a basket of supermarket labels, Aldi was around 9% less expensive. Okay, well, how are you travelling with your shopping bill at the moment? I mean, it's just incredible, isn't it? Uh, Now, the spokespeople from the supermarkets provided these comments. Aldi said its recent price report said they will maintain their price gap even if prices on individual items do go up. A coal spokeswoman said it had reduced prices on more than 2,000 of its 20,000 items, but a number of factors are driving inflation for all retailers, including increases in the cost of raw materials, energy prices and freight costs. For Woolworths, their spokeswoman said they recently cut the price of more than 300 tra- uh, traditional winter products until August and introduced more than 650 own brand products, including flour, sugar and other essentials. The spokeswoman from Woolley said we're working hard to manage industry-wide inflationary pressures. Dear oh dear me, I mean, it's going to be tough for a little while, there's no doubt about that. Well, you can significantly reduce the immense cost of living pressures coming from all quarters in just a couple of moments. Uh, There are some hacks on how you could save money. Okay, we'll give you some details on that as the show progresses this morning. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back on this Friday morning. It is the 10th day of June. Nice to have your company. Marcus Paul in the morning around Australia here on the iHeartRadio platform, starterfm.com.au. Don't forget our hotline is there for you. Always, if you want to call through and uh, leave your comments, 0406521250. And, of course, YouTube, we're there now, Facebook, Twitter. And don't forget the Prawncast. That drops every day uh, around lunchtime where you can listen back to the morning's program. Well, uh, let's get back to the inflationary pressure on household budgets. And there are some hacks to save you money, particularly when it comes to, uh, well, grocery shopping and other 
things that, uh, you know, are essential, really. You can significantly reduce the immense cost of living pressure coming from all quarters right now, we're told. But where do you start? Well, you start with the so-called big rocks, mortgage or rent, petrol, groceries, power costs and insurances. So if you take them one by one, let's start with groceries. Supermarket comparison service Frugal's boss, Sean Smith, says that consumers could save up to 30% on their grocery bill by splitting their shop between the majors. They say that Woolworths and Coles catalogues contain only 300 specials, while the Frugal app reveals up to 5,000 items that are on sale at the Giants, that is the big supermarkets, at any given time. You can make big savings if you shop right across both retailers and not just one. Yeah. If you don't have time to visit Woolies and Coles, one other option is to order online from the chain that's further away. Um, anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, if You can try that. Consumer Group Choice suggests buying ugly fruit and vegetables. Really? Ugly fruit and vegetables? Avoiding pre-cut items, comparing costs using the unit prices written on shelves and swapping a favourite brand for a house label. Okay, uh, well, a price comparison showed that big savings are available on dishwashing and laundry detergents as well as olive oil and coffee. According to Choice Testing Supermarkets, brands quality has improved. Now, mortgages and rents, as we know. A household with a half a million dollar mortgage is repaying around $2,500 a month right now. Finding an interest rate that is 0.5% lower will reduce that by more than $120 a month or $1,500 a year. And that's absolutely achievable. It might be as simple as calling your lender and asking for a better rate. It's something that should be requested every six months. Don't be shy about it. But the most significant savings will come from changing lenders. Now, a number of households have done that, and some are paying a little more than 2% interest only. Look, changing lenders can be a pain, but it's the most significant saving that most people can make. Renters also need to think like a landlord. When a tenant leaves, a landlord loses income while property is being relet. Sure, vacancy rates are low, but it still takes time to get new people in. And the real estate agent will take the first couple of weeks' rent as part of their commission. Why not offer to sign a two-year lease at just above what you're paying now? It doesn't mean you have to stay for 24 months, but you can if you want. If you're a good tenant, a landlord may take the deal. Now, another costly item, petrol. Before buying petrol, use the state government's fuel check app. I mean, do it even if you're in your local area. The cheapest station could be one nearest to you. So there are plenty of apps where you can, of course, compare prices. Also, try and fill up when prices are near the bottom of the cycle. Don't wait till your tank is nearly empty. Invariably, according to experts, that leads to paying more. Alrighty, 
Power. More than 2,000 households used the federal government's Energy Made Easy comparison site last year. That means around 8 million didn't. It's a simple and quick way to compare power plants. So check it regularly. Okay, that's the Energy Made Easy comparison site. The most recent switch uh, could be uh, for, you know, to make it a little lighter on your hip pocket was is maybe to go to a fixed rate. Anyway, we'll see what happens uh, again on that front. As I've got some details coming up on that new plan that's hopefully coming together from all of our energy ministers around uh, the country, uh, including, obviously, Chris Bowen, who's in charge of that. Talk about, you know, uh, really hitting the ground running. Insurance. Well, you can reduce your car insurance costs by shopping around. Someone I know saved nearly 400 bucks a year. All right, well, there's no simple way to compare all general insurance providers. The most thorough way is to go through each provider's online pricing engines. If you have health insurance, don't ditch it. Well, not entirely. One way to lower the cost is to find a better deal. Cover can be prepared at privatehealth.gov.au. Another way to save money if you can is to get rid of extras you don't need. Dental optical, and so on. Now, there's no tax penalty, by the way, for ditching extras, but there are, uh, but there, for many people out there, there will be if you axe hospital cover, of course. So just keep those few tips in mind uh, as the cost of living continues to cause problems for Australians. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, welcome back. Friday morning. Marcus Paul in the morning, live around Australia on starterfm.com.au, the iHeartRadio platform. And of course, give us a, a follow on Facebook and a subscribe on our new YouTube channel. You don't need me to sit here to tell you that our petrol and energy prices are skyrocketing. Uh, but the surging power prices, we're told, have been hit by the perfect storm, and that's being felt in households right around the country. But a so-called 11-point plan from Australia's energy ministers, released after their meeting on Wednesday, apparently isn't going to ease prices anytime soon, with Federal Energy Minister Chris Bowen saying there is no, quote, silver bullet. So what is this new plan about? And are there any quick fixes in it? Well, the ABC broke it down and I had a little look and here's my take on it. Well, what has been happening to our energy prices? Why are the rates skyrocketing? Wholesale energy prices have been hit hard on the East Coast. A cold snap, rising fuel prices thanks to Russia's invasion of Ukraine and back home, coal-fired power stations going offline well, they've all combined to put pressure on the markets, the so-called perfect storm, and none of this is ending anytime soon, unfortunately. Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers referred to it in a speech last week as gas prices in Victoria jump 50 times higher than normal levels. Mr Chalmers said, this is unfortunately a perfect storm of conditions and challenges in our energy market. And once Australia's energy regulator passed on those big increases to benchmark power prices, 
from the perfect storm? Well, the tariffs, known as default market offers, rose between 8.5% and 18.3% in New South Wales, up 12.6% in South East Queensland and nearly 10% in South Australia. That meant that some retailers were facing huge price spikes to supply their customers. One smaller energy retailer that we told you about a couple of weeks ago ago called Reamped, they even wrote to their customers and offered gift vouchers to urge them to leave while they could, you know, while they could still get a better deal by leaving that company. So what is the government going to do? What's the plan moving forward? The urgent meeting with state, territory and federal energy ministers came up with 11 points and of those... These are the ones getting the most attention. One part of the plan would see energy retailers pay power providers to keep spare energy capacity in case it's needed. Now, that's called capacity mechanism. It's something that could have helped those smaller retailers, according to the former head of Energy Security Board, Dr Kerry Schott. Um, Dr Schott said... I'm partly frustrated that had the capacity mechanism been in place, we wouldn't be in a position that's as bad as it is. All we would have is small retailers wanting to get rid of customers because they can't supply them. The capacity mechanism was originally set to come through in 2025, but has now been fast-tracked under this plan. Chris Bowen said the work on this was already well advanced and the Energy Security Board would have a draft in the next week. But there could be hurdles here. Mr Bowen has said it needs to include new technologies, renewable energy and storage in the mix. But he hasn't explicitly ruled out coal. Now under the coalition, some state energy ministers had refused to back it because they wanted to include coal-fired power stations... Victoria's government dubbed it Coal Keeper, remember? Bruce Mountain, who's director of the Victoria Energy Policy Centre at Victoria University, said if the mix includes fossil fuels, that could be difficult. Well, what else is on the table? Well, Chris Bowen has stressed that while no, there won't be any quick fixes, there's now a plan to let the regulator buy gas and keep it in storage for times like the last few weeks when prices have skyrocketed. Mr Bowen said it was one of the most important points and would allow gas to be kept in storage for a crisis situation. Energy Energy Head Frank Calabria said it would help ease pressure on supply and be a step in the right direction. But despite gas prices spiking, Mr Bowen said it hadn't been a gas-led crisis. He said it's been a crisis brought about by a whole lot of circumstances, probably foremost is coal-fire power outages, the fleet is very old and we've had floods in coal mines. Other ideas like windfall uh, tax from energy companies, uh, well, they're not going to like that, are they? They've been ruled out by the federal government anyway. All right, well... What about stopping gas exports? That's something that a lot of people jump up and down about. They say, well, we send off too much gas overseas. We don't keep enough for ourselves here. And what supply we do have is very costly. Well, that's the so-called gas trigger, which lets the federal government keep some gas that was set to be exported for use in the Australian market. So why hasn't this gas trigger been pulled as yet? Well, it takes time. It takes six months to kick in. But that's something the federal government is looking into, apparently.
Mr Bowen said it's pretty blunt instrument at the moment. That's the gas trigger, and it wouldn't help in today's crisis, according to him. It wouldn't come into force until January the 1st next year, even if the minister responsible for the trigger pulled it today. He said in our meeting we did discuss gas and gas reservations, but that's entirely a matter for the Commonwealth. And yesterday, we focused on matters of joint responsibility. Well, we can only hope that... Some of this 11-point plan is put into place ASAP so we can see some relief in energy prices. Marcus Paul in the morning. Yeah, welcome back, Marcus Paul in the morning. Great to have you company. Uh, Maybe you're heading off somewhere for the long weekend. If you are, uh, don't forget today there will be some delays around the usual traps. If you're listening to us in New South Wales, if you're heading toward the snowy mountains, well, make sure you take your chains with you and know how to use them. Don't forget as well, double demerit points are in place. But just be aware, no matter where you're heading this weekend... Uh, There will be some extra uh, holiday traffic that may cause delays. So, as always, plan your trip. And it's also going to be a little chilly. Well, is it any wonder we're into winter? What about this story? A little fella, 11 years of age, went missing in Sydney's Hills District on Wednesday afternoon before being found safe and well. His name is Christopher Wilson. Now, he had been last seen soon after getting off his school bus in a a gorgeous suburb called Anningrove, and there were fears for the boy because temperatures plummeted overnight. So he didn't return home, this little fella. Apparently, he walked straight past his house. A member of the public spotted Christopher walking along Anningrove Road just after 9.30 in the morning yesterday on Thursday. Now, he had no visible injuries despite the cold night and was assessed at the scene by Ambos, uh, who turned up ambulance paramedics. Uh, He was taken to hospital, which is uh, obviously as a precaution. Uh, He was there for further assessment. Arrangements were made then to reunite him with his family. Now, before he was found... Little Christopher had last been seen walking along Anningrove Road toward Langlands Road in Anningrove at around a quarter to five on Wednesday, shortly after getting off the school bus. Police say they were notified when Christopher failed to return home, so they conducted an extensive search of the area overnight as temperatures dropped to as low as four degrees. Police rescue were there, the SES, everybody involved in the search for this little fella. There was also an alert sent out to nearby residents from emergency services via a text message. I mean, this little fella was only wearing a pair of shorts and a jacket. pair of shorts. Temperatures would have got as low as four or five degrees in that area. One of the police officers spoke to Christopher's family Obviously, they were extremely distressed, particularly overnight when the temperatures, well, up there in the hills, were very cold. It's also understood the 11-year-old had no cash or food. Well, not many 11-year-olds are walking around with cash in their pockets. The properties that lined Anningrove Road are mostly acreages and large properties with some backing onto reserves, So police had asked residents to conduct their own searches of their properties to assist them in finding this little fella. Uh, They also searched a number of abandoned properties along Annengrove Road. 
Um, and they're all acreages as well. Anyway, <clears throat> his disappearance was considered extremely out of character, and police say Christopher's family had called them almost immediately. And obviously they held fears for his welfare due to his young age. He was described as being of Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander appearance, 120 centimetres tall, short brown hair and brown eyes, and as I say, was wearing a school uniform. He was in shorts, the little fella. Anyway... A member of the public um, contacted police, of course, and emergency services when they uh, coaxed the little fella, a, a well-meaning woman, into his car, where it was into her car rather, where it was nice and warm. All right. Now, by the way, um, as school resumed yesterday morning around the area, police received a large number of triple O and Crime Stoppers reports. Obviously, seeing children wearing the same uniform uh, before this. Uh, little boy was found. Anyway, there is a a little addition to this story. The the kids now I think it's his stepfather. When police went to this little fellow's home after he was found safe and well and all the rest of it, they discovered cannabis crops, didn't they? So his dad was quickly arrested. Dear oh dearie me. Marcus Paul, in the, the, the best part about it is this little fellow's okay. <laughs> That's the main thing. His dad, on the other hand, well, he'll have to answer to alleged drugs charges. All right, speaking of drugs, a story coming up very soon in the Australian Capital Territory. Uh, they're getting a lot closer to legalising personal use of some recreational drugs. Details in just a tick. It's a Friday morning ahead of a long weekend. Great to have your company, Marcus Paul, in the morning. Live around Australia, of course, we're on starterfm.com.au between 7 and 9, Australian Eastern Standard Time, uh, Monday to Friday. And uh, we're also on the iHeartRadio platform. You can listen via the TuneIn app and back to the podcast, which we, funnily enough, call the Prawncast. Well... The Australian Capital Territory is set to become the first Australian jurisdiction to decriminalise small amounts of commonly used illicit drugs, such as ice, heroin, cocaine and speed. Under a... <clears throat> excuse me, I've just excuse the voice this morning. Under a proposed law that the government has now endorsed, they're very liberal in the ACT, and I don't mean that in the... <laughs> Normal Australian liberal sense. Uh, it's a Labor government, Labor Greens government there. Uh, anyway, police will continue to target dealers and try to disrupt Canberra's drug trade, but we're told that people found with amounts considered to be personal possession, smaller than trafficable quantities, will be subject to fines rather than criminal charges. The decision follows the recommendations of a Legislative Assembly inquiry into the proposal, which was tabled by Labor backbencher Michael Pettison last year. The government indicated today, or yesterday in fact, that it would support the bill, but proposed several amendments to it, including adjusting the list of drugs to be affected. The ACT was also the first and remains the only state or territory, of course, to legalise the personal use of cannabis, another of Mr. Pedersen's bills. 
Health Minister of the ACT, Rachel Stephen-Smith, said the Territory was, quote, leading the way by demonstrating that decriminalisation was a more effective response to improve people's health and well-being. She said the government continued to view illicit drugs as harmful and would work to stamp out their supply, but the government recognises that the harm associated with drugs and drug use is a health issue and that treating drug use as a criminal matter didn't help the addicts. Miss Stephen-Smith said it's harmful to that individual and it doesn't help keep the community safe. She said, we know from research and evidence around the world that criminalising drug users does not reduce drug use and that treating drug addiction as a health issue improves outcomes for everyone in the community. Now, the legislation is part of the broader suite of policies developed in partnership with experts, people with lived experience and the ACT's alcohol and other drug sector to support those most in need to get the help and services they need when they need them. Uh, Now, the Minister, Miss Stephen-Smith, added that the new approach would take pressure off the justice system. Only around 10 people a year were prosecuted for possessing small drug quantities in Canberra, It's not a huge number. Remember, Canberra now has a population around a half a million people. It's not a huge number. But all of it takes work. It takes preparation for the cases. It takes legal defence resources, etc. A survey last year found Canberrans overwhelmingly supported further efforts to decriminalise drugs. Only one in ten supported imprisonment for possession offences. All right, well, as I say, they're very progressive. In the Territory, the Legislative Assembly, controlled by the Labour-Green Coalition, is certain to pass the bill, as both governing parties now indicate support for it. But, of course, the Canberra Liberals have raised concerns. Peter Kane, a member of the inquiry that examined the proposal last year, said the bill was in conflict with the Commonwealth Criminal Code, and this posed problems that remained unresolved. Yesterday, Shadow Attorney-General of the Territory, Jeremy Hansen, said both the Federal and New South Wales Police Commissioners had warned that the change would be dangerous. Mr Hansen said, I'm not going to support anything that's going to make life more dangerous for police and society. Now, Mr Hansen also said the Australian Federal Police Association had told the Assembly inquiry that relaxing ACT laws would increase drug use. He argued that the small number of ACT prosecutions for possessions showed that this radical proposal was unnecessary. This is not going to solve any problems. All it's going to do is create new ones. Well, what do you make of it? Uh, I mean, the drug debate rages on. Is this a step in the right direction by the Australian Capital Territory and their local government? Let me know your thoughts. Marcus Paul in the morning. Friday morning, welcome back. Marcus Paul in the morning. Now, picture this. An 11-year-old schoolgirl, to avoid being targeted by a, a madman with a gun, covered herself in her murdered classmate's blood and played dead. This is America 2022. And he went to there and shot my teacher and told my teacher goodnight and shot her in the head. And then he shot some of my classmates 
and the whiteboard. When I went to the backpacks, uh, he shot my friend that was next to me, and I thought he was gonna come back to the room, so I grabbed the blood and I put it all over me. And what did you do then when you put the blood on yourself? Just stay quiet, and then I got my teacher's phone and called my Do you feel safe at school? Why not? I mean, that's chilling. It really is. She's 11. Her name is Mia Cirillo, a fourth grader at Robb Elementary School. She told politicians in a pre-recorded video that she watched her teacher get shot in the head before looking for a place to hide. She then used the dead teacher's phone and pleaded for help. She smeared her own body in a dead classmate's, uh, from a dead classmate. She, edit, she smeared her own body in blood from a dead classmate and played dead effectively in order not to be targeted. Unbelievable. America, 2022. 19 children, two teachers died when an 18-year-old madman opened fire with an AR-15-style rifle inside Robb Elementary School. We know that back on May 24. Now, this testimony that I just played, this little Maria Cirillo, uh, she spoke on the second day politicians heard wrenching testimony on the nation's gun violence. A Senate panel heard from the son of an 86-year-old woman killed when a gunman opened fire in a racist attack on black shoppers in Buffalo, New York, on May 14, where 10 people died. I mean, it's ridiculous. The testimony at the House Oversight Committee comes as politicians work to strike a bipartisan agreement, good luck with that, on gun safety measures in the aftermath of back-to-back mass shootings in the United States. New York Representative Carolyn Maloney, the panel's chairwoman, called the hearing to focus on the human impact of gun violence and the urgency for gun control legislation. She said, I'm asking every member of this committee to listen with an open heart to the brave witnesses who have come forward to tell their stories about how gun violence has impacted their lives. Our witnesses have endured pain and loss, yet they are displaying incredible courage by coming here to ask us to do our jobs. But, of course, even as some politicians shed tears along the witnesses, the hearing displayed the contentious debate over gun control. Several Republicans who resist calls for more gun laws said schools should, listen to this, instead bring in more security measures to protect children. (laughs) They're kidding, aren't they? Don't worry about getting rid of the AR-15-style rifles, the semi-automatic pump-action things. Just bring in more guards. Andrew Clyde, have a listen to this bloke. A Republican representative of Georgia said one of the things he learned in his military service was that, quote, the harder the target you are, the less likely you will be engaged by the enemy. What the hell does that mean? This moron owns a gun store, by the way. So is it any wonder he heads up his ass? Anyway, he called on schools to keep doors locked 
to provide a single point of entry and a volunteer force of well-trained and armed staff in addition to a school resource officer. (laughs) Oh, what's wrong with these people? I don't understand it. Uh, Marcus Paul in the morning, if you want to comment, the video is up on our Facebook page. Friday morning. Welcome back, Marcus Paul in the morning. Well, if... um If you thought that the new Anthony Albanese Labor government was going to be a little soft on illegal asylum seekers, think again. A group of 45 asylum seekers has been flown back to Sri Lanka after they unsuccessfully attempted to reach Australia by boat. Residents of Christmas Island reportedly said that the group of would-be asylum seekers were brought ashore early Thursday morning by officials. They said... They appeared to be attached to Operation Sovereign Borders. According to reports in The Australian, the individuals were taken to a waiting Skytraders Airbus charter flight and sent back home to Sri Lanka. The Department of Foreign Affairs and Home Affairs Minister, Claire O'Neill, she was approached for further details, including info about whether the group in question managed to reach our waters Look, the federal opposition said that the incident showed that people smugglers... Oh, here we go. Yes. Of course they're going to politicise it. (laughs) It's the only thing they've got. Uh, The opposition said that the incident showed that people smugglers would seek to restart their trade with the arrival of a Labor government. Karen Andrews, who's the opposition Home Affairs spokeswoman, said, I have consistently said people smugglers are watching, and they clearly are. This is exactly what the coalition said would happen, and it is happening. Hang on. She goes on to say the Albanese government needs to urgently explain how it is going to manage illegal boat arrivals and ensure people smugglers aren't selling passage because of the changing government. She's not real bright, is she, Karen Andrews? They sent them home, Karen. I think they've just described, shown quite clearly what they are going to do, and that is return people from where they came if they're illegal. Put them on a plane and send them home. Uh, wasn't that what the uh, you know Dutton's mob were doing under Home Affairs as well? Give me a break. All right. Well, on to some other news. Guy Sebastian's ex-manager, Titus Day, has been cleared of a number of embezzlement charges. That's embezzlement, (laughs) as the defence calls no evidence. Okay, well, the judge has ordered that a jury to find uh, Guy's ex-manager not guilty of three charges and said no interference or no inference. Gee, I'm having trouble this morning, aren't I? No inference could be drawn from Titus Day's decision to exercise his rights to silence. The 49-year-old is on trial in the New South Wales District Court, accused of fraudulently embezzling almost $900,000 in funds that were allegedly owed to the pop star. Now, Mr Day has denied wrongdoing and has entered pleas of not guilty to 50 embezzlement charges and 50 alternative counts of larceny. Now, after the Crown case against Mr Day was closed... Defence Barrister Dominic Toomey, Special Counsel, made an application for the jury to be directed to find his client had no case to answer in relation to three embezzlement charges worth a combined total of around 14 and a half grand. Crown Prosecutor David Mortis agreed with the request, conceding there was no evidence to suggest Mr Day embezzled that money. Now, when the judge 
Tim Gartleman told jurors the news. He also said if the jury returned not guilty verdicts to any of the other 47 charges laid against Mr Day, the related alternative larceny charges would also be thrown out. Okay, well, we'll have to, I guess, wait and see what the jury comes back with. Uh, It's been a little nasty, a bit messy and all the rest of it, but he's been cleared so far of a number of embezzlement charges this tightest day after Guy Sebastian himself was grilled in the witness box. Uh, But Titus Day himself gave no evidence uh, and he exercised his right to shut the hell up. Ah, dear. I mean, (laughs) I'm looking at a photo of these two in happier days. Um, Don't worry, be happy. Isn't that one of Guy's songs? I don't think he'd be too happy today. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, welcome back. Well, the diplomacy continues for the new Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. Uh, He dined last night with the first foreign leader to meet with him on Australian shores. Jacinda Ardern touched down in Sydney just after 6pm last night. Miss Ardern was at Kirribilli House for a dinner with Albo last night before she kicks off formal discussions today. Now, the New Zealand Prime Minister suggested it was a chance to repair aspects of the trans-Tasman relationship after the Labor government took office in May. Uh, Am I right in seeing a bit of a theme here? (laughs) You know, a lot of relationships are being repaired under this new government. This is also an opportunity for new conversations to be had on aspects of the bilateral relationship that have been difficult for a number of years. She told a New Zealand press conference on Tuesday, suggesting relations had soured under the former Liberal government. The threat of China in the Indo-Pacific and climate change are also expected to be hot topics today, but Australia's visa cancellation policy will also be high on at least Ms Ardern's agenda. Section 501 of the Migration Act has proved cause for concern across the Dutch, with a 2015 amendment allowing visa cancellation on character grounds, leading to hundreds of deportations. Both leaders, however, said they were looking forward to kicking off the next chapter of the important trans-Tasman connection. Albo said this week, uh, she's been a friend of mine for some time. He said, and I quote, I look forward to catching up with her informally on Thursday night last night and then for us to have this meeting today. Ms Ardern said, I can already say I have that relationship with the new Prime Minister and for me that will serve New Zealand well. She went on to say, because when disaster strikes on either side of the Tasman, we're often the first ones to be in touch with each other. Kirribilli House became available for the dinner after Scott Morrison moved out of the traditional Prime Minister's residence late last week. Now, Mr Albanese, as I've mentioned, has opted against living at the Harbourside Mansion, instead choosing to reside at the lodge in Canberra. But no doubt, obviously, he will spend some time at Kirribilli House, uh, with last night's dinner a uh, an example. Marcus Paul in the morning. Great to have your company on this Friday. Don't forget to give us a subscribe on our YouTube channel. There's videos up there now. Marcus Paul in the morning on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook. We clicked over 19,000 followers last night, which is wonderful. Really good. Only been going for a couple of years. Uh, Twitter, 
the handle there, at Marcus Paul in the morning, although I don't use Twitter that often. And, of course, on Instagram, Marcus Paul in the morning. It's great to have your company on this Friday. Friday morning, great to have your company. Marcus Paul in the morning, live around Australia on starterfm.com.au, the iHeartRadio platform. Tune in and maybe you're catching up on the podcast. If you are, please don't be shy. Share it on your social media uh, so you can get the word out there. Now, I don't want to sound like a current affair. You know, uh, those over-the-fence arguments between neighbours that quite often turn nasty. (laughs) Yes, they do. Well, this is interesting. A Sydney woman has reignited a feud about an old boundary fence by hanging a bedsheet with a handwritten taunt addressed to a neighbour. Yuk Lo took her neighbour, Dr Rong Ji, to court over two trees in his backyard. And a dilap- See, can't people talk to each other? You know, why do they have to go to the Land and Environment Court or local courts, all the rest of them? Anyway... Also, the the blues over a dilapidated fence separating their humble homes in Epping in the city's northwest. Well, the article says humble homes. I bet you they're worth a, a mint because of where they are. Anyway, the Land and Environment Court found a new fence was needed between the homes and two trees cut down in Dr. Xi's backyard. All costs were to be split between the disputing neighbours. This dispute between neighbours in Epping has, at its core, a fence along a common boundary and vegetation alongside the fence, but has become clouded by other issues over the years, according to the Acting Commissioner David Galway. The orders below provide for a new fence with its cost to be shared by the parties. You know, why do they have to go to court for this? Um, Anyway, apparently one of them's a little nasty. Dr G said he understood the court ordered him to pay half the costs, but was waiting for another upcoming court date to foot his share of the bill, according to a report in the newspaper. But Miss Lowe, furious with the delay of the payment and still concerned about trees she claims are a danger to her home, took matters into her own hands with a scathing message hung on a bedsheet from the front of the house. (laughs) She called the next-door neighbours shameful. Shameful scum. <laughs> it's, oh dear, it's quite funny. Anyway, attention. The sign reads: Owner, Dr. Rong Ji, plants trees close to neighbours' sewer and electrical cable. Spent four point two three million dollars to buy the property back in twenty twenty one, but ignores a court order to pay four hundred and twelve dollars until seven months later. <laughs> Dr. Xi said they want to remove our trees, describing the ordeal as a fantasy. Oh, anyway, it's just going on and on this. Have you ever come across a, you know, a neighbor, neighborhood dispute like this, an ably blue, and has it got out of hand? Apparently, um, <laughs> it's heading to the local court with the good doctor now going to apparently take out an AVO. On a story that I saw on the news last night in relation to the, uh, to this, Miss Lowe <laughs> is a bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, she was she's been seen bang, <laughs> banging on pots and pans beside the house of the doctor just to annoy him. And look, she sounds like a real uh, crazy kind of neighbour. You know, anyone that goes to the uh, extent of putting up a bloody sheet. 
you know, and all the rest of it on, on her property, though, on her own property. What's wrong with her? Anyway, interesting story, Marcus Paul in the morning. Friday morning, great to have you company, Marcus Paul in the morning, live around Australia on starterfm.com.au, the iHeartRadio platform. Tune in and maybe you're catching up on the podcast. If you are, please don't be shy. Share it on your social media uh, so you can get the word out there. Now, I don't want to sound like a current affair. You know, uh, those over-the-fence arguments between neighbours that quite often turn nasty. (laughs) Yes, they do. Well, this is interesting. A Sydney woman has reignited a feud about an old boundary fence by hanging a bedsheet with a handwritten taunt addressed to a neighbour. Yuk Lo took her neighbour, Dr Rong Ji, to court over two trees in his backyard and a dilap... See, can't people talk to each other? You know, why do they have to go to the Land and Environment Court or local courts, all the rest of them? Anyway... Also, the the blues over a dilapidated fence separating their humble homes in Epping in the city's northwest. Well, the article says humble homes. I bet you they're worth a, a mint because of where they are. Anyway, the Land and Environment Court found a new fence was needed between the homes and two trees cut down in Dr. Xi's backyard. All costs were to be split between the disputing neighbours. This dispute between neighbours in Epping has, at its core, a fence along a common boundary and vegetation alongside the fence, but has become clouded by other issues over the years, according to the Acting Commissioner David Galway. The orders below provide for a new fence with its cost to be shared by the parties. You know, why do they have to go to court for this? Um, Anyway, apparently one of them's a little nasty. Dr Xi said he understood the court ordered him to pay half the costs, but was waiting for another upcoming court date to foot his share of the bill, according to a report in the newspaper. But Miss Lowe, furious with the delay of the payment and still concerned about trees she claims are a danger to her home, took matters into her own hands with a scathing message hung on a bedsheet from the front of the house. (laughs) She called the next-door neighbours shameful. Shameful scum. <laughs> oh dear, it's quite funny. Anyway, attention. The sign reads: Owner, Doctor Rongji, plants trees close to neighbours' sewer and electrical cable. Spent four point two three million dollars to buy the property back in twenty twenty one, but ignores a court order to pay four hundred and twelve dollars until seven months later. <laughs> Dr. Xi said they want to remove our trees, describing the ordeal as a fantasy. Oh, anyway, it's just going on and on. These have you ever come across a you know a neighbor neighborhood dispute like this, an ably blue, and has it got out of hand? Apparently, um, <laughs> it's heading to the local court with the good doctor now going to apparently take out an AVO. On a story that I saw on the news last night in relation to the, uh, to this, Ms. Lowe is a bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, she was she's been seen bang, banging on pots and pans beside the house of the doctor just to annoy him. And look, she sounds like a real uh, crazy kind of neighbour. You know, anyone that goes to the uh, extent of putting up a bloody sheet. 
you know, and all the rest of it on, on her property, though, on her own property. What's wrong with her? Anyway, interesting story, Marcus Paul in the morning.